Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a characteristic of God as we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 25. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Hath he not spoken, shall he not make it good? But in just a few verses, we're going to read where he says, God repented that he made you king. How come this kind of a dichotomy? The strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Then Saul again said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people. In other words, you know, make me look good in front of the people. I've sinned. And before Israel, turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. Notice, not the Lord my God, the Lord thy God. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then said Samuel, bring hither Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went back to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. So, God, the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent. Then what does it mean? It repented the Lord that he made Saul king over Israel. There is always a difficulty in expressing God and the characteristics of God and the actions of God in human language. But all we have is human language. Now, God has characteristics, abilities, that we have no human language for, for we have no way of experiencing these things. I cannot even think how God thinks because he knows everything. How does he even think when he knows everything to begin with? Now, how can I even express the way that God thinks? How can I express the actions of God? I can only express them with human terms as they appear to be from my human standpoint. But yet I am bound with human language. Now, I am certain that there is a vocabulary of heaven that is far broader and incapable of expressing these things in languages that if we heard it, we wouldn't know it because we have nothing that will equal it in human experience. So we are seeking to describe now an action of God, and that is the action of turning away his favor from Saul. The change of God's attitude towards Saul. Now the word repent meaning change. God is changing now his attitude towards Saul. We have only one word to describe that change. Repent. But yet we have just read in a true sense, God is not a man that he lies or repents. But yet we have this human language barrier. 
And so we have to express the activities of God with human language. And the only word we have to express this particular action of God's obvious change in attitude towards Saul, the only word that we have to express this obvious change is repent. And yet, because it is God's action, it isn't a repentance as we think of repent in our human minds. But it is the only vocabulary word that we have to express this change of attitude, so we use the word. But it isn't repent in the same way that a man repents from his decisions or his doings. I hope I've helped you. I don't know. So the Lord said to Samuel, How long are you going to mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from being the king or reigning over Israel? This change of attitude, I've rejected him. Now how long are you going to mourn? Fill your horn with oil, and go and I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided a king from among his sons. And Samuel said, Lord, if Saul hears I've gone down to anoint someone else to be king, he'll kill me. Now, that shows you how far Saul has strayed from the Lord and the things of the Lord. He would actually kill the prophet of God. Samuel realized this. This guy has really gone off the deep end. Lord, if he hears I'm going down to anoint another king, he's going to kill me. And the Lord said, well, take uh, with you a heifer. And if they say, where are you going? Just say, I'm going to offer a sacrifice. And then invite Jesse and his sons to come to the sacrifice. So... Samuel came down to the house of Jesse, and he said to Jesse, uh, Jesse said to him, have you come peaceably? And he said, yes, I've come peaceably. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord, so sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons, called him to the sacrifice. So it came to pass when the first son came in, Eliab, he was a good-looking fellow. And Samuel thought, oh, surely this good-looking young fellow is the one the Lord has chosen. This is God's choice. And God spoke to Samuel and said, don't look on the outward appearance. For, because I don't judge as men judge. Men judge from the outward appearance. But he said, God, God said, I judge the hearts. So don't judge from just the outward appearance. I'm judging the hearts. Eliab isn't the one. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward. God looks on the heart. So he called his next son, Abinadab. The Lord said, nope. And so he called Shammah. The Lord said, nope. And he made all seven sons to pass before Samuel. And the Lord said no to all of them. Samuel said, oh, oh, what's going on here? He said, do you have any more sons? Is that all? He said, well, the other one's just a, just a little boy. He's out watching the sheep. Samuel said, call him in. And as David came in with the smell of the sheep in the fields upon him, just a little boy, the Lord spoke to Samuel. Now, he was ruddy, had a good tan, but with all, he had a beautiful face, and he was just good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil 
and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went back to Ramah. So here's the anointing of David to be king over Israel. Now, Saul was still on the throne. Though David is now God's anointed and God's choice for king, still Saul is on the throne. And we're going to notice in the next few chapters that Saul is now going to do his very best by force to hang on to that which is no longer rightfully his. In a true rightful sense, David is king. He's been anointed king. The anointing of God and the power of spirit and the anointing of God is resting upon David as king. However, Saul is still on the throne. And Saul is going to try to drive David out of the kingdom by force, the kingdom which is now rightfully his. There's a sequel to this. Jesus, through his death upon the cross, has redeemed the world back to God and is now the rightful king. God's choice and God's anointed. However, Satan is still upon the throne. And Satan is doing his best to hold by force that which is no longer rightfully his. And doing his best to hold back the kingdom of God from the earth. But Jesus Christ is the rightful king, and we can claim his victory, and we can force the enemy off of his territory. But the enemy is stubborn. He only yields what he must, the Thus, your prayers must be specific. Instead of God save the world, you've got to bring individuals before God, specific individuals, and say, Lord, you died that you might reign as king in their lives, and they're being held by the power of Satan and the power of darkness. But Jesus has defeated the powers of the enemy. Colossians chapter 2, he triumphed over these principalities and powers through his cross, making an open display of his victory. And therefore, I claim the victory of Jesus Christ in this life. And I come against the power of Satan that is holding them captive. I come against the powers of darkness that have blinded their eyes to their truth. In Jesus' name, release them from this blindness, from the prejudice that Satan has poisoned their minds against the Lord. And I can set them free from this power of Satan that they might have a freedom of choice. Why do not men choose Christ? Because Satan has so controlled their minds and holds them under his grip so that they cannot have a free choice. They are actually being held captives by Satan who has taken them captive even against their wills. The God of this world has blinded their eyes that they cannot see the truth. So my prayer has to be directed towards the enemy, claiming the victory of Christ in that life. 
and claiming Christ's victory until I set them, see them set free from the blinding influence of Satan so that they can make a free choice. And any man, when he can actually look at it in a free choice without all the poison and prejudice that Satan has planted in their mind, would surely choose Jesus Christ. Only a fool would reject him. And so it is mine to bring them from the power and the captivity of Satan and set them free from this binding force in order that they might make their choice for the true king. And I can deliver people out of the power of darkness through prayer, this great spiritual weapon that God has made available to us. But Satan is stubborn. He only yields what he must. Therefore, your prayers have to be specific. And... He will counterattack as soon as you drive him off of territory. He'll counterattack and try and take it back. Therefore, prayers must be persisted in even after you begin to see the first signs of victory. Many times we make a mistake. We say, oh, look, they went forward. Oh, praise the Lord. Now who are we going to work on? And, and we're no longer praying and holding that ground against the enemy. But Satan's going to counterattack and going to try and take back the territory from which he's been driven. Therefore, we've got to hold it in prayer. We are in a real warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, these forces of darkness. But though there is a tremendous battle that is going on between the forces of darkness and the forces of light, yet there is a decided victory already determined there at the cross, and it is ours to bring the victory of the cross into lives and into situations through prayer. But Satan, as Saul, seeks to hold on to that which is no longer rightfully his. But when you come against him in the authority in the name of Jesus, he has to yield because he was defeated. But he is a brassy, stubborn guy. He'll come in where he has no business being. He'll take hold of that which he has no business having. And therefore, you have to deal with him very firmly in prayer. Not give place to him, not give him a place at all, but claim and lay claim to those victories of Christ. And you can. You can have real victory in your life. You can bring victory into the lives of others around you through prayer. So David was anointed to be king over Israel. Now at this particular point, we have an interesting scripture, difficult to understand, verse 14, but the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. What does that mean, an evil spirit from the Lord? Well, I guess it means an evil spirit from the Lord. But that is difficult for us to reconcile in our minds. Now, I don't want you to all get up and leave in a huff because I say something that may sound very radical. But I am convinced that in a unique and unusual kind of a way, Satan is actually serving God. He is serving purposes of God. If it were not for Satan, then we would have no power of choice. If we had no power of choice, then God wouldn't know if you really loved him or not. Satan could not exist unless God allowed him to exist, and the very fact that God allows him to exist means that he must be serving a purpose for God. Otherwise, there'd be no reason of having Satan around at all. 
If he were not serving a purpose of God, then God surely wouldn't allow him his freedom today. But because he is serving a purpose of God in order that you might be tested, in order that your love for God might indeed be a love of free choice, God has allowed Satan the liberty for he serves a purpose of God. So in a broad sense, all of creation is still serving the purposes of God. Even Satan, in his rebellion, for God has a purpose in that. You see, to give us the power of choice, and yet if there is no choice to make, what value is it to have a power of choice? In order to exercise choice, there has to be the opposing side. So God has allowed Satan's rebellion, has allowed Satan to go on, has allowed Satan the freedom, has allowed Satan the freedom to come and to tempt you and to hassle you and to work on you and to make it difficult for you to serve God so that as you serve God, it is because of choice of serving God in spite of the obstacles, in spite of the difficulties. God, I do love you and my love for God is more or less proved by my choice to love him in spite of the difficulties and obstacles that are placed in my way. And thus God is assured that my love is genuine and my love for him is true. If I would say to my son, stay in the backyard while I go downtown and I go out and chain him to the big tree. <laughs> and when I get home, I go in the backyard and unlock him and say, ha ha, I've got, I'm proud of my boy. He's obedient to his dad. Stayed right there in the backyard. Good boy. Proud father. My neighbor would say you should have heard him cursing and screaming trying to get free. You see, he had no choice. There has to be the open door, the possibility, the opportunity to disobey in order that obedience is meaningful. God wants from you meaningful love. Therefore, the, the, the choice must be given. And thus... An evil spirit from the Lord, or God allowed, perhaps, if, you, if that fits you better, an evil spirit to come. The Spirit of the Lord. Now, I am convinced that when the Spirit of God departs from your life, the door is open for evil spirits to really come. And so an evil spirit allowed by the Lord, at least, came and began to harass Saul. The Spirit of God departed from him. What a sad time in a person's life when God's Spirit departs from his life. And an evil spirit began to move in. And it troubled him. And Saul's servant said, you need to find someone who is skillful at playing the harp. And when you get in these bad moods, and of course, that's actually what it was. It was a bad mood. He'd get mean, get sullen. And when these sullen, mean streaks come on you, then let him play on the harp skillfully and, and let the beautiful music soothe you. And Saul said, provide me a skillful harp player. And one of the servants said, I've seen the son of Jesse. He is a skillful player. He's a valiant man, a man of war, prudent in matters. He's a beautiful person, and the Lord is with him. These qualifications of David, capped off by the Lord is with him. I love that. 
Wherefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse, and he said, Send David your son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey that was laden with bread, a bottle of wine, a young goat, and he sent them by David, his son, to Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Actually, David had a great admiration for Saul. Of course, just a young boy, and, and he was at that hero age, and Saul, big, tall, handsome fellow, became sort of a, uh, a hero in David's eyes. And David always respected Saul right to his death, and even after his death. David never lost his respect for this man. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took the harp, and he played with his hands. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Now, how long this went on, we are not told. But this beautiful relationship was soon to be shattered. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 1 Samuel on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Samuel 15 through 16 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you even as he was with David. And may your heart and life be open to the things of God's Spirit and may you have blessed communion with the Lord through the week. May God bless you especially for the sacrifices that you have made to gather together in obedience to his command of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together in these last days. May the strength of the Lord and the joy of the Lord be your portion for this week as you walk in beautiful fellowship with Him. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Come study the Bible with Pastor Chuck Smith as he teaches from Genesis through Revelation on a digitally remastered audio edition of Pastor Chuck's Bible Commentary. That's over 600 audio MP3 files of Pastor Chuck teaching through the entire Bible. 
all on a 16-gig reusable flash drive. Now you can easily listen to Pastor Chuck's Bible commentaries when you insert this key into your computer. Then you can transfer all of these audio Bible studies to a smartphone or any other listening device to learn and study God's Word on the go. And not only that, you can reuse this flash drive that easily fits onto any keyring for even more mobility at a fraction of the cost. What a great way to study and learn God's Word. For more information, please call the Word for Today at one 800 272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.